So we're going to look at his word uh, together tonight. So if you have your Bibles, grab them, get them out. Uh, I want to say thank you to Gary for speaking last week. Uh, really, anybody, just pop quiz, anybody remember what Gary spoke about last week? Hey, there you go, about remembering. See, that, it worked. And uh, uh, we celebrated, you know, the Lord's table, just what he uh, did for us on the cross, and remembering that, uh, that powerful, powerful, miraculous, really, sacrifice that he has uh, made for us. Um, and so, Gary, as he was speaking last week, he brought up something, because I had, I had other plans of where we were going to go tonight, but he brought up something, and then Holy Spirit brought it up in me, and it's like, it's one of those things that comes around every once in a while that he's uh, dealing with in my, in my heart, and so I want to take a look at that tonight, maybe more so for my sake than for yours, but I imagine that you find yourself in this place sometimes as well. Here, here's a question I want to start off with. Do you ever, or have you ever, sung a worship song that you don't really mean? Our worship leader just admitted, yes. Have you, ever sung, have you ever sung a worship song that you don't actually mean the lyrics you're singing? For instance, there used to be this one way back in the day. I'm giving it all away, away. And people are like, sing that one, sing that one. I'm like, you do realize what you're singing, right? I'm willing to give some away, away, maybe. <laughs> right? Or um, I'll sing because you are good and I'll dance because you are good. And like... I haven't seen anybody dance that song yet. I, I actually change the lyrics for dance every time. You'll probably hear, I always say, I'll stand because you are good. Because <laughs> at least it's truth, right? But there's a song that we sing that I absolutely love. It's called Grateful. And there's this line in there that says, whatever comes, I won't complain. Uh-huh. Whatever comes, I won't complain. And sometimes I can sing whatever comes. It's more difficult to sing the... When whoever comes, you know, there's like sometimes it's not the situations in our life that we complain about. It can be the people in our life that we complain about. And as, as I thought about this, it was like it just wouldn't let me go, that there was this thing that, I, that desperately needs to be dealt with in my heart. And so I want to take a look at this topic of complaining tonight. And uh, complaining's not new. It's not new, and that's one way to stop it, but it is not a, uh, it's not a new thing, a new phenomenon. It, uh, what we're going to take a look at is an account that happened nearly uh, 3,470 years ago, 1446 B.C., and taking a look at the, uh, the nation of Israel who realized that, 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 this, that humanity hasn't changed all, of, all that much uh, and when we read Old Testament scripture, it's really important for us as New Testament believers to, real, to, to realize that what this, those accounts, those stories that are written, they're, they're truth, but they're written, some of them are written as descriptive. They're telling what happened. They're not prescriptive. They're not like, hey, if you, know, if you do this, then, uh, for instance, you know, David and Goliath is not about you and your giant that you're trying to slay in your life. You know, people are like, oh, you know, uh, I'm David and my boss, he's Goliath, you know, I'm going to... I pray, Lord, take him out. Like that, That's not how that works. It's descriptive of something that happened. But we can learn from it. We can learn and see the similarities and realize that humanity hasn't changed all that much. And tonight, that's kind of our, our goal. We're going to take a look at some scripture, story of the Old Testament, and see where those sim- similarities lie. And, and, and maybe there's something we can learn as well. So if you have your Bibles, go to the beginning. It's really easy to find. Exodus is the second, the second uh, section of, uh, of the Bible. Um, first Genesis, then Exodus, Exodus, and we'll see what we can see and what we can learn. So Exodus 15, verse 22, it says this, Then Moses led the people of Israel away from the Red Sea, and they moved out into the desert of Shur, 
Then they traveled in this desert for three days without finding any water. Can you picture it? Massive amount of people traveling for three days, uh, and they've run out of water. Verse 23, it says, When they came to an oasis, they like, Oh, we found water of Mara. The water was too bitter to drink, and so they called the place Mara, which means bitter. Then the people complained, and they turned against Moses. What are we going to drink, they demanded. So Moses cried out to the Lord for help, and the Lord showed him a piece of wood, and Moses threw that piece of wood into the water, and it made the water good to drink. And it was there at Marah that the Lord set before them the following decree as a standard to test their faithfulness to him. And he, he goes on to just mention what that decree is, that if they would follow him, trust him, then uh, he'd be the God that heals them and mentions his name, Jehovah Rapha. But what, do we, what, can, what are some of the things we can just simply observe from this story? Number one, Complaining is easy. Anybody agree? It's just, there's just, anyone can do it. Any child, any teen, any adult, any senior, it is just so easy to do. There's always something or someone to complain about. You know, maybe it's the government, maybe it's your boss, maybe it's your spouse, maybe it's your kids, maybe it's your parents, but it's like, there's no shortage. Maybe it's me. You know, maybe it's the the message, whatever it may be. It's something so easy to complain about. Well, the nation of Israel, but but we don't, you know, realize unless you had read ahead, is at the very beginning of of Exodus 15, it tells the story of of how this group of people who's complaining had just three days earlier seen a massive, bonafide miracle. They had crossed the Red Sea on dry ground. And they had all uh, made it. Every, every man, woman, child, animal had made it safely across the Red Sea. I remember hearing where people were like, yeah, it's actually, you know, they try and describe and, and explain how that happened. And they're like, well, you know, it wasn't the Red Sea. It was translated the Reed Sea. And, you know, the Reed Sea is where, like, it's not that deep because reeds only grow in shallow water. So that's how they kind of all got across. And I'm like, okay, that's fine. But then they witnessed the miracle where all of Pharaoh's army drowned in a puddle. Right? So either way, either way, there was this massive miracle that they saw. And I'm just going to go with the first one because that's what it says. The walls of water stood up and they walked on through. That was how many days ago? Three days ago. Days, not months, not years. Three days ago. And here we find these people. It was so amazing, such an amazing experience. They wrote a song about it. They had their own worship song about something that happened three days ago. Exodus 15, verse 11. Here's some of the words they sang. They all sang these together. Who is like you among all the gods, O Lord? You are glorious in holiness. You are awesome in splendor. You perform great wonders. And then in verse 13, with your unfailing love... You lead the people you have redeemed, and in your might, you guide them to their sacred home. And like there's verses before and verses after, they're basically saying, God's stinking amazing, and we'll sing it. We'll sing it together. God is stinking amazing. (laughs) This is their thing, though. They're singing this song because they've experienced his goodness. It's not like your goodness is running after me. They're like, man, your goodness has just saved my life. And they, you would think they would mean those words. But how many days later? Three days later, we find them complaining. And I wonder, maybe it was just like ingrained in them. This is kind of like their behavior pattern. They've kind of grown up with it. This nation had been in slavery for 400 years. You know, you can imagine you go into work. You know, you come home and complain about work. How about you went to work all day for free? 
and came home every day, seven days a week, and you'd sit around the campfire with all the other slaves and uh, after work, and you know, you talk about your injuries from the day. And, you know, maybe the one fella says to the other, oh, it's terrible, I don't know what happened. But like, it hurts when I touch here and here and here and here and here. And he's like, what do you think it is? He's like, sounds like a broken finger to me. <laughs> you know, but, but they sit around and they complain about their aches and their pains. And that complaining uh, normalcy for them leads them to be able to complain just three days after one of the most amazing events, probably in history, but for sure in their history, that had happened to them. And, you know, it would be one thing if we said, you know, it's okay. Like, hey, I know complaining's easy. And if it only affected the complainer, well, that wouldn't be so bad. You know, fine. They want to complain, fine. The second part about complaining we can see from this, uh, from this event is that complaining is contagious. Here's why it becomes a problem. In the very next chapter, ex- Exodus 16, we, we see the spread of the complaining contagion. For, uh, Exodus 16, flip one page. Verse 1, it says, And the whole community, how much? The whole community of Israel set out for, from Elam and journeyed into the wilderness of Sin, uh, between Elam and Mount Sinai. Then that sin's just a name. It's not like sin like we're thinking. They arrived there on the 15th day of the second month, one month after leaving the land of Egypt. So three days they're complaining. Now it's a month later after God had actually provided water for them and uh, he had done everything they, they desired. And it says here in verse 2, there too what the whole community Early on, it was just some of the people complained to Moses. Like, they got and said, Moses, what are we going to drink? And, you know, I'm like, I like my kids or whatever. It's probably the parents because, you know, the kids just, it just gets, if you have kids, you know. Like, if they don't get food and water at regular times, it can become incredibly miserable. But they come. But now it's, now it's everyone. Like, they've all decided they're in on this. And they complained about Moses and Aaron. So they're not just complaining about, you know, the, the situation. Now they're complaining about their leaders and their people. Verse 3, if only the Lord had killed us back in Egypt, they moaned. Wait, the same Lord who's like, you're so amazing, you rescued us, here's their new song, if only you had killed me. <laughs> you know, and, and I promise you they don't believe that song either. They're not actually hoping for that to happen. But they, here they said, they, sat, they said, we sat around pots filled with meat, we ate all the bread we wanted, but now you've brought us into this wilderness to starve us all to death. That's their feelings. You know, complaining's easy enough on, on your own, I find it is. But you know what's easier? When someone else will agree with you. It's like you complain and then they agree and you're like, oh, okay, well, I'm not the only one. And, and it begins to permeate. It's like the ripple effect. Here the whole nation of Israel was just that one little drop of complaint. And it begins to, to go out further and further. So after a month, man, they're all complaining. And, you know, maybe it's like for you, it's like that at work. It's like one guy starts complaining about the boss and then the rest of them are like, oh, yeah, yeah, I know. I feel the same way. And, and maybe it's, you know, the kids about their parents. And it's like the revolt, you know, of like all the kids are like, yeah, you know, that's, you know I can't hate when dad does this or mom does this or the church. It's like you sit in the pews and, or chairs and you're like, you know, I think this or whatever. And it's like, yeah, I didn't like that so much. You don't sound like that. I'm just saying other churches, right? Like there's, there's I've been to other churches where, where people, where, where they complain. Where it's, and, and I find it's like, I think that's what I sound like when it's, when it's me. It's just, it's just easy. You know, we see it affecting major things. Joshua and Caleb, you know, they went out and spied the land with 10 other guys. So here they are, the 12 of them. They go to where God promised and said, this is the land you're gonna, you are going to um, have. I'm giving it to you. And they get there. And we all know the story. If you've been to Sunday school, they come back. 
And Joshua and Caleb are like, yeah, man, this land's great. Let's go get it right away. And the other 10, no, they start, no, 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 we can't, we can't handle it. They're like giants there. And what happens? They start spreading this, this bad report. And what happens after the bad report? People start complaining. They're like, oh, why did you bring us here? You know, we should have died way back when, or, you know, even further back. Let's go back to Egypt. We're never going to be able to conquer it. And as a result of the complaining, everyone misses out. Everyone in that story missed out on the, the promise of what God desired to do simply because they, they just allowed that to permeate. It's amazing at how fast it can spread, and it's amazing how much it can destroy. Here we see it takes down a nation, but how many of you have seen it take down a business, a church, or even a family where people just complain, complain, and it never seems to find its resolution? Sometimes all it takes is a buddy to start spreading the disease of complaining. It's like, man, you're friends, and this is how it goes. But sometimes... Here's, the, here's the, the, the counter, the flip side. Sometimes all it takes is a buddy to stop it. Sometimes all it takes is a buddy to help stop it. Not only is it easy, not only is it contagious. Third, complaining is counterproductive. I'm trying to encourage ourselves, you know, like, okay, I, I, I really want to stop doing that. You know, when the nation of Israel came to the oasis at Marah, it wasn't only the water that became bitter or that was bitter. The, the whole group of people became bitter. See, complaining is like, eh, I'm okay with that. But how many of you are okay with being bitter? I, I, <laughs> no hands. I mean, it's one of those words that you just don't want to be described as, as bitter. But that's what happens when complaining goes unchecked. That's what happens. Can happen, I know what happens in my life when it goes unchecked. That's the, the end result. What happens? You get stuck in bitterness. Stuck's not a fun place to be either. I was hoping my father-in-law would be here today because I actually had to rescue him early this morning. He had got a lawn roller um, stuck in a ditch this morning. Do we have our, this is the lawn roller. It's not, it wasn't quite this big, but it was definitely an oversized lawn roller that he had in the, in the ditch. And, and uh, you know, I was like, I was so grateful because like this is the first time I got to actually pay back the favor for how many times he's had to pull me out of the field, out of a ditch, out of my snow-filled driveway. He's always come to the rescue for me. And I finally had the chance to do that for him. But getting there, he realized there's nowhere, nowhere they can go, just stuck. And it's one thing if it's a lawn roller, it's a whole different thing if it's life. It's a whole different thing if it's an attitude where you get stuck in something. And, and, and that's the problem with, with complaining. It, it leaves you in a place where you're not accomplishing anything anymore. It leaves you in a place where it's, where it's not a solution. You're not moving forward. It's not even motivating you or anyone else to move forward. Complaining is just a lousy motivator. Joshua knew it when they were about to attack Jericho. He's like, hey, we're going to go attack Jericho, and here's a little bit of complaining. He's like, everybody else, shut up. We're not talking anymore. It's like the, you know, Bambi. You can't say nothing. Nice, don't say nothing at all. And we aren't, because he realized, if that permeates, we don't take this town. And I think we see the same thing in our lives. I see the same thing in my life. If, if we allow it to go, it, it demoralizes you know, and some of you are like, well, isn't like complaining, like, shouldn't we complain about things? You know, they, they, the waiter serves your meal and it's the total wrong meal. Shouldn't you like put in a complaint? For sure. There's a difference between complaints, between like noticing something and nagging something. Noticing is like, yeah, hey, that's the thing. But if, if it becomes the soundtrack of your life, well, now, now something, there's a cycle going on. And that's the difference. And that's the thing we're looking at tonight. There's lots of valid complaints in our life. But if it becomes that soundtrack, it's revealing something. That's the fourth thought. Complaining is revealing. I don't know if they put that one up there or not. Of course, 
you're saying, of course complaining's revealing. That's why I'm complaining. I'm trying to reveal what's going on in this situation or what's going on in that other person. You know, that's why I'm, I'm, I'm saying it. And, and the truth is that complaining's actually revealing something going on in me, in you. Maybe we call it venting, but venting is still revealing what's going on in our lives. You know, what we learned from the nation of Israel is that God had actually led them into the desert, into the wilderness. When they got there, it was God who was leading them there. We look at the wilderness and think that's a terrible spot. But I think sometimes for us to, to realize is when we get into those wilderness areas, that when we want to complain about different things, that we got to look for who's leading. That maybe God led us into this, to this place that there's something, there's a lesson in the, in the desert that we need to learn. You know, here we see that God had just taken them out of Egypt. They were straight out of slavery. And then he led them into the desert, you know, I believe to get Egypt out of them. Because he keeps mentioning this thing, I want them to trust me. I want them to trust me. He wanted them to learn how to trust him. He's like, I got them out of Egypt. But man, they still got so much Egypt inside of them. Exodus 16, verse 4, you know, we said they were complaining, complaining about Moses. We want to go back. We, you know, we're starving to death. Here, here's his response. So the Lord says to Moses, Moses, look, I'm going to rain down food from heaven for you. Each day the people can go out and pick up as much food as they need for that day. I will test them to see if, uh, in this to see whether or not they will follow my instructions, whether they're going to trust me. As I read this, I was like, man, I'm amazed at the graciousness of God. Like, this is not like, this is not the first complaint. This is like months and months. Like, they're complaining about, you know, everything. Complaining in Egypt, so we'll get them out. Now they're complaining that they're out of Egypt. Now, you know, they're on the, this side of the Red Sea, and we, well, I'll get them over. And they're complaining there, and they're complaining here. They're complaining about water. They're complaining about food. They're complaining about their leaders. They're complaining about everything. And, and God's response is like, okay, I'm going to take care of them. His grace is just incredible. And he's the same today. His grace is incredible. As I look at this, you know, as I think about where do we fit in, Israel is often a picture of us. And Egypt is often a picture of the world. That, you know, we think about what he took us out of. We sang it tonight. I was buried in my shame. You know, I, nobody can carry that weight. But he's the one who called my name and set me free. He's taken me out of slavery. He's taken me out of that, that worldly life. But now he's like, now i got to try and get the rest of that out of you. You know what we call that? Sanctification. Where God's still at work in you. Because it, it's, that, it's that working out what he's working in. He's making us holy, setting us apart, making us different. You know, complaining, what I would say, complaining simply reveals that there's still a little bit of Egypt in me. There's still a little bit of the world. He saved me, he's rescued me, but there's still a little bit of that, you know, in there that he's working on. Doesn't It's not going to keep me from going to heaven. That's what Jesus did on the cross. He's working out the other stuff in there that I would trust him fully. You know, God wants us, you and me, to learn how to trust him in the desert. Trusting him in the desert, I mean, leads to trusting him all the time. And it's, I don't know about you, but it's easy to trust God when it's all going well. Isn't it? It's so easy to say, oh yeah, everything's going well in my life. I, I trust you, Lord. I trust you're good and everything else. But I wonder if we actually fully trust the Lord. Until we figure out, until that gets revealed in those tougher times. You know, it's uh, it, watching my friend Jesse go through an incredibly difficult time right now. And just hearing him, yeah, my trust is in the Lord. You know, I, I, this might be a desert, but I'm going to go through it with, with him. And I think about, you know, the, the, those, the ones we look up to, but none more than Jesus. 
You know, Jesus was in the desert. What happened? Satan comes to tempt him and test him. And he's like, you know what? You got nothing on me because I don't trust the world and I don't trust the things of the world. There is nothing there. I trust my heavenly father. And then we see him in the garden later and back in a desert time again. He's about to go to the cross. He knows what's coming. What does he say? Father, I trust you. Not my will, but yours be done. I trust your will is good. So the question that I think we have to wrestle with tonight is this. I mean, unless maybe it's just me, you know, but if others are ever tempted to complain, what will you do? What will I do? Leave you with the last thought, the stop the spread strategy. A stop the spread strategy. Do you you have one? Because there's some good ones and there's some bad ones. You know, my kids complain, you know, like... (laughs) Oh, man, it's, you put them to bed. It's like, this whole day sucked. Oh, you know, like everything went wrong. And it was my brother this. And, and so sometimes I just can't help myself. Like my strategy to stop it is like, I'll just like, and, and you just watch their eyes. If they could strangle dad, they might. It doesn't, it's not really that effective. You know, but there, there are some strategies that are. And what can we do about it? And so I look at this story. I see, you know, see Moses' example. What does Moses do? You know, they come and they complain to Moses about everything. And what does he do? He just simply goes to the Lord. You know, it doesn't say that Moses prayed. Because we think prayer is like, oh, I'll assume the position. And, you know, like. But he says, he just simply talked to the Lord. He took the concern to the Lord. And, you know, I, I wonder if that isn't one great option for us. To simply pray. When you start hearing yourself complain, it's like, you know what, I, I, I need to pray about this. I need to pray for this person. Not, Lord, deal with them, but God, I pray for them. I, you know, I pray for their, for their life, for what they're going through. I pray about these things that, they, you know, that, that maybe annoy me, but God, I, I want you involved in this. You know, maybe it's the government. Man, we're supposed to pray for our government leaders. It's so easy to complain, but, man, pray for Justin. What about your spouse or your boss or your employee or your kids or your parents or your church? You know, I think about Paul. When Paul prayed, he's like, there's this one time where he prays. He says, I have this like thorn in my flesh. And he's like, I prayed and begged the Lord three times to get rid of it. And what was his response? Nope. My grace is sufficient for you. Trust my grace. God, I want to go. I know you do, but trust my grace. I want you to trust me. Sometimes it's not going to change you know, but, but there's no need to keep complaining about it. And Paul's like, okay, I prayed three times about this. It ain't going away. I'm not going to spend the rest of my life complaining about it. I'm simply going to trust him in it. I'm going to trust him through it. Exodus 14 says this, Then the Lord said to Moses, Why are you crying out to me? Tell the people to get moving. <laughs> See, sometimes when you pray to the Lord, this is going to be the response. He's like, why are you asking me to do this? I've already told you what to do. Sometimes it's going to be like, hey, there's no answer that you're going to get. You just need to stop complaining. And sometimes it's like, listen, if you would just do this, you wouldn't have this to complain about. Stop complaining to me. There's something that you can actually do about it. And maybe when you see that as I did, my response was, wait, what? Can we say that together? Wait, what? Like the kids. Wait, Wait, what? what? Yeah, exactly. Some of you are like, I'm not saying anything this guy says. Wait. Yes, now, now you can. Re- Would you read it with me together? Wait, wait, wait what? what? Wait, what? It's important. Because I hope if you forget everything else, you don't forget these purple letters. Wait, what? Wait, what? 
Exactly. This saying stuck out to me. When I hear myself complaining, uh, and I have been, there was these words. Wait, what? Wait, just stop for a minute, just pause. I hear myself, if I hear the word, just stop for a second. And then what? What can I or should I be grateful for? What am I missing out on right now? What, what, am I, what am I forgetting to be thankful for in this moment that I'm complaining? And second, what can I or should I do about it? And so finally, as I think about this as seeing Moses where this is the Lord's response to so Moses, there's something that you can do here and it, it is get moving get moving it was actually where they were complaining about oh the egyptians are going to kill us he's like i just opened up a way through the through the through the pond get going like you can sit here and complain but you're going to die in your complaining get get going and so here's a couple things that i'd just love to challenge you with cuz i'm just going to guess and i might not hit the ones that are you but when they happen my response my hope is that your response will be wait what you know when you're complaining about your spouse to your buddies Wait, what? I'd encourage you maybe to write a list of the five things you appreciate or that you are grateful for in your spouse. It's so easy to complain, but I'm just going to write five things that I, that I actually appreciate about, appreciate about them. Do you remember why you married them? You're like some, for some, after two years of COVID, it has been like, they're just like, I don't remember why I married this person any, anymore. But you did. Maybe you're like, oh, I just, I wanted someone to complain about for the rest of my life. <laughs> or I needed somebody to complain to for the rest of my life. She said yes. That's, you know, whatever it is. I shared it with a couple this week and just asked them. They were going through some difficulties. I said, would you just write five things? They found it tough, but to then realizing, wait a second, no. There's so many things I'm thankful for. And what does it do? It stops a spread strategy. Then second, you know, maybe it's kids complaining about their siblings. This was my kids this week. They were complaining about each other in front of each other. And I'm like, wait, what? And they're like, I'm like, okay. Dad's taking over homeschool. You're all going to write five things about each other. And man, I, I have them on my desk. You know, next time they complain, I'm just going to give it back to them and say, hey, remember this? This is what you love about your siblings. What did you forget to be thankful for? And they were, they were at each other. And one of the ones is, he's my favorite brother. We are bestest buds. And I was like, and then later on that day, sure enough, there they are playing like bestest buds. Why? They had been days where it was like, eh. maybe it's complaining about the government. Wait, what? You know, maybe there's something we need to do. Pray for them. Go talk to them. Or maybe, you know, uh, run for office or vote for someone else. There's things that you can, can do. Maybe it's complaining about another person. Wait, what? Wait, what? He's still talking? Yes, wait, what? That was really interesting. Even uh, it was like Carrie Newhoff put something out today, uh, seven, seven things about... Um, relationships and I was like man this is like how convenient you know but just one of these things go talk to them instead of about them it's so easy to to to, to have all this stuff I was like oh you know hits hits to all five six seven I'm like I can't read this anymore you know it's and then I was like I need to read this some more because I don't want to be that I don't want that to I don't want that to take over you know, there's a serenity prayer for those who are familiar with it. it's what is it God give me the serenity to accept the things that I can't change that's the same thing with Paul. I can't change it. I'm not going to complain about it. Second, the courage to change the things I can. Okay, God, I'm supposed to do this. Give me the courage to actually go and do it. But I'm not going to complain. I'm going to do something. And then third, you know, that, that wisdom to know the difference. Sometimes, you know, I think it's like 
you know, having a buddy who's willing to call out, wait, what in my life? So I give you full permission. You know, what was the words I wanted you to remember? Wait, what? Right, so if you hear me complaining, would you just say that to my face? Uh-huh. I, I will appreciate it. I honestly will appreciate that thing because it helps to pull us out of the cycle. So in closing, you know, the objective tonight isn't just behavior modification because that's where, that's where you're like, oh, this was a nice, like, you know, uh, positive message, positive thinking. That, that's not going to get us anywhere. Who we need is Holy Spirit. As we look at, at uh, the, the, the whole portion of this, you see that Moses was led by the Lord. Like in our hearts, we got to know him. The complaining reveals some of the stuff that he wants to work on, but it's, it's in our looking to him. You Because know, I want to be able to sing those words in truth. Whatever comes, I won't complain. I don't want to get up and I don't want to get caught up in the complaint cycle. I want to simply trust him, to simply trust his guidance, to simply trust his answer, and simply to trust him. To learn the lesson of the desert, to learn the lesson. And sometimes the deserts are like it's relational desert. It's like I hope you understand like that. That's the the idea of tonight. It's when those tough times come that you want to complain about and have and have and have that there's a different answer. So last thought. You know, we've told this story before, but the lesson of the desert, we can learn it pretty easily from two birds that live there, the uh, vultures and the hummingbirds. They both live in the same environment. And if they could talk, the vulture, he would probably describe the desert as like this barren wasteland, you know, full of dead animal carcasses, awful things that he's seen up close. And then the hummingbird, you talk to it, and it would describe the array of colorful blossoms and of the desert plants, and that each one's like a mini oasis of delight in otherwise boring terrain. And you're like, wait, you guys live in the same place? How, how is this happening? How do you have two totally different perspectives? And the truth is, they both find what they're looking for. They both find what they're looking for. And I think for us, it's the same thing. We can find all of these things and all of these people that we would want to complain about. And it's easy. And it's contagious. We can get others on board. We can do all of these things. But man, we miss out on all those oasis moments if we would just simply look for them. Wow, you know what? That, that, <laughs> my boss is like, oh. Yeah, but you know what? He gave me a raise last year. He cares about my family. He cares about me. He didn't lay me off during. He, he's like, whatever it may be. If you look for him, I promise you, you can find him. You know, so last week, Gary challenged us to remember what God has done in our lives, to look for him and to look to him. Uh, when you find yourself in those desert situations, realizing, God, look what you've done for me. And to live out of that, to live out of that in our relationships with one another, to live out of that in the situations, God, man, I'm really hoping you rescue me from the situation I'm in right now. But even if you don't, I'm so grateful for what you did for me on a cross 2,000 years ago. It was more than enough. I'm grateful that you saved my soul. I'm grateful that you rescued me. I'm grateful. You know that looking for those oasis moments, looking for those things to be grateful for, it's easier if you do it often. It's easier if you'll do it often. And I would encourage, <coughs> encourage you, encourage me, that when you hear yourself complaining, just simply say, wait, What? What am I missing? What can I be thankful for in this situation? What do I need to do? And then finally, you know, if you're listening tonight and you, you know, maybe your whole life feels like a desert right now. It's like lack of value, lack of purpose. You feel like there's no hope uh, for your future or whatever. You just feel this emptiness inside. 
that is, that, that, if you call it a desert, that is where each of us finds ourselves without him. He is the one who, who uh, fills that gap on the inside of us that no one else can. And so I would simply encourage you with these thoughts, is that the God of the universe knows your name, loves you incredibly, sent his son to rescue, to rescue from, from that, from those feelings of emptiness. He came to give you life and life eternal. But it requires us doing one thing, and we've been talking about it all night, is that we would trust him. Trust him. That Jesus, I trust that you died in my place. I'll give you my life. God, I, I, I trust that you're the only one who can save me and nothing else. And that you look to him from this day forward. That is salvation. That is the chance to know him. That's really what it's all about. Can we pray? Father, you know my heart and you know my life. I'm just amazed at how your word speaks to the very core of my being. Just pray tonight, Holy Spirit, that those listening would have heard your voice. Maybe it's, it was just a one sentence, just like you did for me last week. Father, I pray that you would lead and direct our, our steps in what you desire for us in this journey uh, of life with you. God, we repent for the thoughts we've had, for the words we've said, for the just allowing these types of uh, cycles to, to find root in our hearts and lives. God, would you, would you take them out, I pray. Tonight, I just lift up every person here in the relationships and the marriages. Father, I pray that your love would continue to bring hope and life into those families and situations. God, thank you again for the gift of today, the chance to worship you for who you are. You truly, truly deserve it. We're grateful to do that. Uh, Father, thank you for the rest of this night we commit it to you and to your purposes. Pray that you'd be glorified by whatever happens here. I ask this in your name. Amen. 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 Well, we have, a, uh, as always, a few questions to hopefully further the conversation, whether that's here with a few uh, people around us, some chairs, or maybe it's in the cafe with a coffee. I would encourage you, even if you're just hanging out together, would you just at least ask that first one? What jumped out at you, if anything, that's Gary's, uh, from today's talk? What jumped out at you, if anything, from today's talk? Just ask them. Maybe there's one of those things. Second, um, what? Oh, that's not it. Where did it go? Oh, what things are you most tempted to complain about? Maybe this is like one of those things you, you can only share with those people that you trust. And then th uh, third, do you think you're more like the vulture or the hummingbird? And why? Do you think you like your natural tendency? And, and, and then finally, what stop the spread strategies can you incorporate in your life to stop the complaint cycle? What are those things that... Oh, there it is again. <laughs> what, are, what are those things that you're like, if you look in your heart, you're like, you know what? Tonight it was like, I just felt challenged. I, I just simply need to pray more about this. Or second, it was like, you know what? I know what I'm supposed to do. I just haven't done it. And, or man, I got to go to this person and make that right. Whatever it may be. Uh, I would encourage you to, uh, I'd encourage you to dig in deep and allow the Holy Spirit to dig a little deeper in your hearts. So thank you tonight for coming. Pray it was uh, uh, beneficial to you as it is to me. And looking forward to uh, 
Looking forward to another great week with him, and hopefully we'll see you Friday. If not, then Saturday or Sunday, and you are dismissed.